Opinions voiced in this program are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult with your attorney, accountant, and financial advisor or tax advisor prior to investing. Securities are offered through LPL Financial, member FINRA, SIPC. Good morning and welcome to Beyond the Business on News Radio 94.3 WSC. Each Saturday morning at 7.30, successful business leaders and entrepreneurs from across the low country talk about what it takes to succeed in business and in life now your hosts of beyond the business eric cox and leslie haywood and great saturday morning low country welcome to another edition of beyond the business heard exclusively here on 94.3 wsc every saturday morning from 7 30 to 8 i am one of your hosts here this morning as usual eric cox with mr byron stall good morning byron good morning eric Good to have you back this morning for our second half follow-up edition of Miss B. Ray. And, and Good to be here. We didn't run her off. She came back and joined <laughs> us this morning. That's a plus. By that the way, is a huge plus. in case you happen to miss uh, B's segment from last week or some of our previous <laughs> segments, uh, don't fret. Um, and you might be actually just listening to the podcast now, but you can always go to our website at coastalwm.com. Uh, Click on the radio icon, and you can click on other B show, Bay show. You like that? I was going to call you Bay <laughs> B show, and all the other great guests that we've had on here. And so, we're going to uh, dive in pretty quick. By the way, in case you're wondering about B's background, she is an author, speaker, blog writer. Had all kinds of unique experiences that you shared with us last uh, week on our show. And I think when we left, you were talking about the fact that you had, for the second time in your life, gone back overseas. This time professionally. Uh, and we're giving us a little insight to um, what international experience had meant. Certainly, it's tied into what you're doing in regards to some of your work today. Um, but there was an event that brought you back to the States. Let's k- kick it off with that, if you don't mind. Sure. So I was living, we were living in Munich, uh, Germany, and loving that. And I went there to, largely to learn to speak German. Um, even though I went, I was working for Siemens Business Services and helping them launch their venture capital arm. So I didn't actually speak that much German day to day because we had 12 countries represented just in our small department. And so we spoke English, but it was a great experience. And I was figuring out more about venture capital and we had made some investments and 9-11 happened. And all I can explain to you is that when something like that happens, there's just almost like a gravitational pull. We got to get back to the U.S., So, of course, that happened in September, and we were back on U.S. soil, had left our jobs, had moved, brought, it was myself, my husband, and my baby um, home to Hilton Head, South Carolina, before Christmas. Oh, wow. And what was the impetus to choose Hilton Head of all places? (laughs) Well, what we thought was we'll go to South Carolina where we have family for three months until we can find a real city. It was so much come home first to figure out jobs, et cetera, later. And uh, 14 years later, we left Hilton Head. So <laughs> we, Which is uh, the longest you've ever been anywhere, <laughs> Thank right? you. It was the longest I'd ever been anywhere. And um, it speaks well to how much I love South Carolina and how great that was. But I ended up starting a company on Hilton Head that had offices uh, in D.C. and in San Francisco and eventually clients in 14 different countries but we headquartered it right from Hilton Head, and I don't see me leaving South Carolina anytime soon. So I want to go back because we kind of breezed through the point that, um, you know, 9-11 happens. You all, as many people did, made us uh, a quick decision. Let's get back stateside. Um, but you, you changed your whole life. 
you changed careers, you changed obviously locations. Let's talk a minute about a, a drastic change in your life like that. That wasn't one that was planned and you thought about forever. Mm-hmm. Um, walk us through the emotion of that for you and the family. Wow. Well, part of it is you, you're you not paying attention to so many of those details. You're just reacting to, I want to be home. I want to be home. I want to be with family. And to be honest, family already was my main driver at that point in my career. And I hadn't fully disclosed to you why I lived in Germany. And the reason is that I flunked to German class in business school. So uh, again, the theme of this show is I'm a little stubborn, um, but I went to Harvard Business School, as we talked about, and they allow you to take one language class for free. My husband's a brilliant German speaker, so I had selected that language and uh, flunked and flunked miserably. Uh, so much so the prof- professor pat me on the back and said, you, you can get 100 on the exam, but you'll flunk the class. So I thought, okay, page 419 had said six months maternity leave. And I had at least read that well. So I went to Germany, did have a nice job and a nice career uh, at Siemens, but I'm not a big company person. I'm an entrepreneur through and through, had been before business school. That was my one stint those two and a half, three years as a big company person. Uh, sure, I loved the great maternity leave, but family was, solid- was um, solidly the driver of our decisions and my ability to land on my feet as someone who grew up in 13 different homes and had been an entrepreneur was something, you know, I had some confidence in. So I guess I didn't think through it as carefully as perhaps I should have. Right. And it sounds like you decided to, once you got stateside, to pursue your entrepreneurship passion. And you said you started a company in Hilton Head. Um, If you wouldn't mind just elaborating what that company was or is. So the company was called Source Harbor. Um, the funny thing is, is I came in cocky and said, I just spent three years with world experts on starting a venture capital firm. Hilton Head has wealthy people. I know how to invest in entrepreneurs because I've been an entrepreneur and I've run companies. So how about I go raise some money and we'll go invest in whatever startups there are. And I had eight to 10 people who said, absolutely be, I will write you a check. And each of those eight to 10 people said, but not for a fund. You've never raised a fund. You have run companies that do this thing called software escrow. So I will, if you start this kind of company, which by then I certainly didn't have any non-competes and the three companies that had been in that business had all consolidated into one, it made sense. And so we started a company called Source Harbor and I had a, enough investment of a runway to get started and um it was fabulous for the first two months and then (laughs) (laughs) and then uh a 1.8 billion dollar company spent five hundred thousand dollars suing me because i was putting them out of business i had four thousand dollars worth of revenue up against a three hundred eighty four thousand dollar legal bill wow it was a really bad day it is obviously so as a wow at that stage, uh, young entrepreneur, right, trying to build and grow a business. You mentioned uh, last week, early in your show, you just don't see obstacles. So <laughs> explain this one, because that's an obstacle. How did you navigate that? Well, I cried first. Um, I went to coffee with the investors second. They all said, you know what? We knew this was risk money. Go take care of your family. They all were incredible. And 
I didn't do that. I just put one foot in front of the other and tried to fight this lawsuit on every aspect of providing information and recognizing that we hadn't done anything wrong. Um, in the long, it took months, um, but I found a way to whittle down the legal bill and survive the lawsuit. You don't really win unless you fight back. Uh, right. And I didn't have the runway or money to fight back. Um, but in my mind, we did win because what ended up happening is the company lasted another four years, expanded to 14 different countries. We were able to sell it such that everybody made a ton of money. And I was able to take six years off as a stay-at-home mom. And So let's go back to that because, again, sure. a lot of our listeners are running businesses. They uh, face adversity every single day, the ups and downs and the challenges. Um, talk about um, just some words of wisdom going through that. What would you share as so many entrepreneurs do experience uh, choppy waters at times? So thank you for that. I clearly having a support system helped. Uh, and something about the fact that I could bail out at any moment really helped because then it was a choice to keep fighting it. I think when we feel like there's only one way you can go, it's actually more devastating. But something about the freedom that each and every one of them gave me to say, wow, this was bad. Don't push it because they cared more about me than they did about their investment. They cared more about my health and my family and said, we'll just go invest in you in the next thing. So that that was really powerful that um, having someone to turn to and having the right people to turn to who had similar values to me really mattered. Um, and then what I try to tell my kids is. Sometimes it's great as an entrepreneur to be a visionary and to know where you're heading. And a lot of times it's not. A lot of times it's almost more important to just know to put the left foot and then the right foot and the left foot and the right foot. And to ask yourself the question, what can I do today? What can I control today? That's something positive. Because too often if we if I were to have said and analyzed the likelihood that I would have sold the company for the ability that that I sold it for at the profit uh, survived and gone to the 14 countries, the answer would have been minuscule and it would have stopped me in my tracks. But there were lots of things I could have done on that day. So I just did those things. You know, it's interesting. It reminds me of a book I was just given <coughs> recently called Three Feet from Gold. An mm. uh, entrepreneur had given me that. It goes back into the old Napoleon Hill mindset and theology. And um, the, the author of that book, who's actually the main character of the book, talks exactly about that, that as you go through these times in life, you know, the, the brain is an amazing uh, element that can tell you all kinds of things, right? And that little voice that might tell you some bad things, it's just to put that to the side and see what is the very next day or hour or brick or whatever it is that you're building hold and to focus on that and not the mountain as a whole. So it's interesting. So I am writing a book now called What Harvard Taught Me But My Kids Made Me Learn. And it largely comes from the time after that where I was a stay-at-home mom. And there I learned that being a parent was not a break from my career. It was more of a breakthrough for my career because business is done with people and people skills matter. And no one can teach you that as well as the three little mouths that are sitting in your home wanting to be fed in my experience. But one example that ties to this is my son entering third grade, third grade was the year that at least then, I don't know if we're doing it today, we had to do a whole book of cursive. And to me, that looked like 30 seconds of work to write this sentence. But to someone who's never done cursive, that was really intimidating. And when he had to look at the whole book that he had waited till the end of the summer to do, it was 
petrifying and he just couldn't sit down and he couldn't do it and he would talk about all the reasons we don't need it and how it's too hard and it's too frustrating and you know why is this important and what I was able to do finally is just say just please write the letter A just write the letter A and we would go back to that and say oh that was really good A move on have a popsicle come back can you write the letter A again and add a B you know and so before you knew it he was one step one step one step and we were avoiding all of those why is it important? This will never work. All of those questions that get in the way, all of those obstacles that keep us from doing the things we want to do. And so it was just a great, quote, parenting lesson that's been one of the top business lessons for me is sometimes just putting your head down and doing the one thing you can in front of you. You can make some really great strides. Good stuff. What an incredible lesson. Incredible lesson. I'm taking it to heart for issues that I go through. Um, it, as you went through that that adversity, uh, you talked about taking one step at a time. Is there any one you know person or resource that you leaned on during that time frame that you felt really helped you take that one step at a time? Well, certainly my family. Um, again, my brother was very helpful. My parents. Um, I think at that point, that adversity, it was really my investors. And the funny thing is, is this was a company that I didn't need investors for. Um, I, I could have just bootstrapped it. I raised um, just over $300,000. And I did it because to me, I like to work with others. And in hindsight, boy, that was one of the best decisions I ever made because of the moral support, way more than the $300,000. So uh, one person in particular was a lead investor, Jim Stritzinger, who I'm still great buddies with today. He ran Seacoast Synergy that had made a number of investments in Hilton Head. And I was uh, ran a company that probably returned maybe their best return. I'm not sure. But he was a great supporter. Larry Heichel was a great supporter. But just having those people who we could walk through the steps of the lawsuit with and this the outrageousness of the $487 an hour we were paying for a lawyer to dig back through old emails that had more to do with someone's bachelor party than the business at hand was fun life lessons <laughs> right life lessons crazy and speaking of which, uh, you might be wondering whose voice that we're listening to explaining all those great life lessons is that of Mrs. B. Ray, again, author, speaker, blog writer. And uh, I want to go back to the, the journey now to become an author, right? You've been going through a process. Uh, you worked, I know, for a while there with uh, Forbes Books and Adam Witte and some of those folks here in town who was on the show several years ago. Um, talk about a where the passion comes from to want to... Uh, author books, but at the same time, uh, what the whole process is, because that's, I know, where a lot of people think about, but it seems daunting and overwhelming, <laughs> and how would I even do that? So thank you for that. So I am a speaker and an author. I've been speaking, and in quotes, professionally for over 25 years. So that has been a big part of how I've built any business, and it's been the number one driver for uh, any company I've been involved with, whether it was the Creative Coast in Savannah helping to get funds for our nonprofit to the software escrow business in my 20s in San Francisco to speaking uh, in place of Adam Whitty for Forbes Books. So that it was a great opportunity. But I as and then in parallel, I learned six or seven years ago that just keeping my thoughts straight was a challenge and to take some time an hour here, an hour there to write 
down my thoughts, whether it was about my profession or largely about my faith, was something that I love to do. So in Savannah, I wrote a column for the Savannah Morning News, and that brought us really our best people, uh, our most loyal attendees and fundraisers, because it was a little bit of, you know, who you are. Right now, I do a tiny bit of writing for the energy consumers of the Carolinas from the voice of an entrepreneur and the voice of the head of the household. And so I love that. And that's brought an interesting group. But I'd been writing and writing and writing. And, and recently, as I was helping out, I ran the entrepreneurship practice group for Forbes Books. So I had an awesome opportunity to learn about publishing and to meet incredible authors. And what I learned there, though, was... I want to go be you. I don't want to help you. I want to go be you. You, this successful author who's running a business and running largely a business on speaking. And so as much as I love that exposure to publishing, I realized it was time for me to go investigate. How am I going to actually make this my career? And I looked back on so much of what I had written and I compartmentalized really what I would have called as essays into books. And what I had is six folders, each of over 20,000 words. So I, the first book I'm working on is what Harvard taught me, but my kids made me learn. But I have two more entrepreneurial books that'll follow one year than the next. And the reason I actually think I'm called to be an author has more to do with living a life of faith and how important that has been for me. And so I have three other books that are drafted out, and again, each with 20,000 words-ish. And for some reason, I feel today that I am not called to run to that. I feel like I am being asked, don't go preach to the choir, go build the choir. And so that's where I've gone first to my business experience, helping out not only women, but usually entrepreneurs. Sometimes I'm bringing entrepreneurship to big business. Most of my speaking engagements, it's actually in a corporate environment, but bringing entrepreneurial lessons to the corporate environment, sometimes to women. Um, But anyway, that's where I am from a speaking career and a writing career. How to get it done is the whole, well, that's a whole that's, different that's, come back for a whole nother show right <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah no doubt about that and you have uh your first book coming out that you're the sole writer on this december is yeah that correct? so that is called what harvard <clears throat> taught me but my kids made me learn uh, i do have a website b-e-a-w-r-a-y.com and there's some information about that there and then the whole book has its own website and again basically what happened is after taking six years off to be a stay-at-home mom which i could afford by selling that company, I was terrified to come back to work. Like, how would I really have relevant skills? You know, had I had an adult conversation in six years? Like, what could I do? And what I, what happened is that actually is when my career took off. And I was overwhelmed with thank you notes. Thank you for this introduction, for that great event, for this opportunity, for this advice. And I asked myself the question, what did I do to help that person What skill do I have that allowed me to help that person? And then where did I get that skill? And the answer was almost never because I attended Harvard. It was almost never because I'd been an entrepreneur. And it was almost always because I had learned something from those children. Great experience. So you've had all these amazing twists and turns, right? And and it sounds like you've just constantly evolved. Um, But as in any story, any journey in life, we look back and go, wait, there's a few moments where we made the wrong turn. And so if you look back at, at uh, 
one of those times in your life where you say, hey, if I could do this one over and learn from it, what's a, a story you could share with our listeners about that journey? Well, I'm divorced and I don't uh, never intended to be divorced. So that is something that is a heartbreak. I will always love the father of my children. And I am always grateful that I had that experience, but it didn't uh, play out as we had hoped. So that and, and is how did if you don't mind asking that we've talked about this on the show before with some yeah. of our entrepreneurs, how has that experience or during that experience impacted you as an entrepreneur and an author and you trying to do life? Well, obviously, from the uh, it is my faith. So one of my books is called uh, "When Faith Is All That's Left of Family." So I did learn and live by on a daily basis what it is like to have only God, not family, extended family, not church, not even friends who could understand my experience. But I had a God that would listen to me, and so that was 18 years of a marriage. I went back to that marriage four different times. So it wasn't out of lack of trying. So we had four different marital separations. Um, I think this is now the sixth time maybe that I've talked to you and mentioned the word I'm stubborn. <laughs> um, as an entrepreneur, I don't... Actually, I, I wrote it down seven times. <laughs> seven, just so you know, eight, not counting. Thank you. Um, I'm the one person I know that has been down in a tennis match, 6050 uh, and won. So um, I am great at not giving up. I'm terrible at admitting defeat. Sometimes that's a good quality in an entrepreneur. Um, comes in handy when you have a strong faith, and it sort of played out in my marriage. Good stuff. Wow, absolutely. And you, you talk about how family is such a big component of your life. Where, where are they right now? So I have three children. Uh, I have an incredible daughter. She's 17, uh, senior in high school, paving the world's way and is just so fun to kind of grab onto her reins. Uh, incredible son going into uh, starting his sophomore year uh, at Wando. Um, just way taller than I am and into <laughs> basketball and doing all sorts of great things. It's already, you know, sort of on an engineering path. And uh, my 12 year old is, unfortunately, all three of my kids are way smarter than I am. <laughs> But they seem to take really good care of me, and um, whether it's on a tennis court or in sports or just keeping the house clean, I am really um, awed and lucky to be a part of that. And we still are, we see our extended family pretty much several times a month. And something we mentioned in last week's show, I know you are involved in the concept. You spoke at it uh, about it, selling the new millennium. Yeah, uh, talk a little bit about what you mean by the new millennium and and the millennium uh, women's network. Just give us a little sure. insight to that. So, I guess what we're talking about there is what I call brandnetic marketing is <clears throat> sort of this idea that medium has changed so much. Like we are all sort of our own media outlet today. Um, one of the things I say, I don't want to be too long winded, is I don't know what you watched on TV last night, but I'm pretty sure it wasn't Leave It to Beaver. No. Had I asked you this question 30 years ago, I might have had a decent answer. And the reason is the way media was consumed back then was someone in an ivory tower selected a few videos or TV shows and you watch them. Today, we consume media. It's independently curated uh, and often independently created like a Facebook Live video or um, a TEDx talk. And so... Brandnetic marketing is a way of helping people with personal branding such that you're not 
wasting all of your marketing dollars for that one in a million chance that a client is going to call you. Rather, you are selectively being the authority and the leader in the few hundred people that you need and want to speak to and becoming the trusted and loved source. And so that was part of the selling in the new millennium. And it's one of the things that I try to mentor and share with these women that are the millennial women network and they are across 24 different countries. And so it's really fun to kind of share those tools that is a way of leveraging the way media is consumed, written media, audio media, video media today. Wonderful. And then uh, I'm going to steal a page from uh, Leslie's book as we're winding down here today. She loves to ask this question. She's not unfortunately here to do so, um, but I'll try to give it justice. And again, the the tagline is people you know, stories you don't. And so we're going to do a little quick lightning around, as she calls it, and just give us the first word that comes to mind. First thing I'm going to ask is what um, what are you most proud of in your life? My children. I expected that answer, by the way. <laughs> um, favorite book? you've ever read the bible uh something that's on your bucket list a place to visit go do see south america i haven't decided where maybe argentina and the last one someone that you uh consider a hero or that you truly admire in life francis perkins nice all right um Unfortunately, we are running out of time. It happens quick, B. Thank you so much for your story and your insight. Uh, continue the great work. And by the way, if anybody wants to go learn more about you, get your book. Tell us where to do that. dot com. my first and last name. Thank Wonderful. you so much. What a delight to be with you both. Thank you. And Byron, thanks again for being with us again this Saturday morning as uh, you can join us every Saturday morning from 730 to 8 here on 94.3. WSC for Beyond the Business, great stories in leadership and entrepreneurship. And again, until next Saturday morning, Charleston, have a blessed week. Thank you for listening to Beyond the Business on News Radio 94.3 WSC. Tune in next Saturday morning at 7.30 for Beyond the Business, hosted by Eric Cox and Leslie Haywood, and heard exclusively on News Radio 94.3 WSC.